Swim check one, two. Bike check one, two. Run check one, two. I think we're ready. Let's try this. Welcome to the Try Beginner's Luck podcast, a podcast where we explore the sport of triathlon from a variety of perspectives to help beginner triathletes on their journey. I am your host, Nashonda Shines. All right. Welcome back to another edition of Try Beginner's Luck. Yes, I am just as excited as you because I have another team that I get to interview today. It's two members from the team, but it's a team or excuse me, it's a club represented. That's right. It's a club Uh, because in triathlon, we have so many different ways that we can participate in sport. We can participate in sport via coached clubs. We can participate via teams. We can participate via clubs. We can do relays. There's so many ways that we can try with others, but there's nothing like the try community. And once you are hooked in, you are in, and it's hard to get out because then you have a lot of best friends that help you make really bad-ish, but good decisions. And that is to try. So without further ado, this particular try club, let me just tell you, they are on the West Coast. So you already know they are a whole vibe. Mm. Think about California love. Think about perhaps celebrities. Yeah, because they're in the very Hollywoodish zone. But also think about a place where you can always have access to a beach. This particular track club was built on passion and performance. They provide a very unique blend of elite coaching and an unmatched network of information, support services, training and racing activities, and community for all abilities. I met this duo at Endurance Exchange 2023. And the way I met them is they were they got on stage to talk about millennials and marketing. Mm-hmm. And I was blown away because everything that was spoken on that stage from a millennial and a not so millennial was all truth, just all truth. And they weren't cutting cards. They were telling it like it was. And you know, I'm a tell it like it is. I hope you can hear my snaps, but if you're watching on social media or YouTube, you're going to see these snaps. So I have the founder and president of an over 500 member club on the West coast. He's a visionary. I mean, he has his own actorial debuts. You got to search for him, find him on, I what is it? IMDB, IMDB, Google him. Mm-hmm. Mr. Paul Hakimian and the first of many triathlon influencers. What? Yes. Katie Godek. Welcome to Try Beginner's Luck of the LA Tri Team. LA Tri Club. Oh, I did all that to say Tri Team. Try club. What's up, y'all? Yeah. Hello. hello, hello. Hello. I get so excited, right? Like I'm on the East Coast, y'all are on the West Coast, and it's just all try love. I am here for it. What excited me about your club is the range of ages and diversity. And how you call out the community on Fridays to come out for the open water swim. And I was like, that's such a cool idea. But all the things you do from the beach parties and obviously I'm the social person. So I like all the social aspects of the club. So without further ado, welcome. And let's just give the audience a little bit more about who you are. So Paul, you want to start us off? Sure. Um, Hi, Paul Hakimian here, founder uh, of LA Tri Club. Uh, yeah, we've been around 23 years. Uh, just super excited to be a community-based organization that provides, you know, triathlon services for those that, you know, want to get into the sport. We've been mentoring triathletes for, you know, 23 years and, and changing lives, basically, at a high level. You know, we literally just change lives. We get them into the sport and and hopefully keep them in the sport. Um, so, yeah, no, super excited to be here. And, and, and our latest venture is getting the millennials and younger kids into the sport. And that's where uh, Katie comes in. So, Katie, uh, you can jump in, too, here. The younger kids. The younger oh kids. 
the younger kids. We need younger the kids. older millennials that are, I think, 40 is the cutoff. They're like, we're parents. <laughs> hey, when uh, I started this, I was 25 years old. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I was a millennial back then. And so, you know, we, we need to hand the reins to a new generation to, you know, in order to keep the, you know, the one, the organization to keep going, really. I mean, that's where we're at. We, we really need to kind of start making that transition. So... First of all, Katie, that whole elder millennial, I need you to take it back. Take it back. <laughs> take it back. Okay. The elder millennial. The elder. You actually said that on stage that day. I was like, oh, elder oh no. Okay. And well, I, I mean, forgot I mean, about it. And now you're making me rehash that trauma from earlier in the year. Elder millennial. Come on. I have this like longstanding dispute with my sister who is turning 43 this year. And she's right on the cutoff um, of millennial and Gen X. But I think sometimes she's classified as a millennial, but she does not identify as one that she's made very clear. So we have to dub the just below that, the elder millennial. We don't have to, yeah. but the internet made it up, not me. <laughs> you see, I'm cringing. Like, mm. <laughs> feel like me and your sister have a lot in common. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, well, this is all good and fun and love. And um, let's just talk, right, talk about it. Like this board, we need young people to uh, make it grow. And us middle-aged elder uh, millennials uh, to keep it afloat while the more, what should I call it? Older senior. What's the proper word, Paul? Give me a word for you. I don't know. Your age older group. Age grouper? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or seasoned? an older age grouper. The seasoned. Seasoned. The seasoned athlete. Yeah. The seasoned athlete. Yes. You know, well seasoned. So the season, something's happened. That's what happens when you get your hair straight. You don't. <laughs> okay, Paul has that it. problem all the time. All the time. Know it all the time. <laughs> Yeah, that glare is killing me. <laughs> that glare, I'm like, whoa. So yeah, like, I know some of the things that you guys are passionate about is bringing more youth in. And so we'll start right there with talking about the youth and then we'll just kind of progress into more of some of the things that the, the club is doing. So I think Paul can talk on. about our, our youth, pro like actual, <laughs> the youth, the like actual youth, the, you know, 12 to 18 range. He can talk okay. about our youth program. Yeah, what we're trying to do is you know, obviously with the USA Triathlon, we've been trying to develop a youth team. We're, we're trying to give away, you know, uh, get them signed up as a member. We actually have a youth coach now, Caitlin Nichols. Um, she actually is a high school coach uh, for triathlon. So she's a perfect fit for for helping us lead that. Um, we're trying to pick, you know, e you know, events that are um, kind of catered for a newbie. Um, pa Pasadena Triathlon in our neck of the woods is a reverse triathlon um, around the Rose Bowl. So it's a very secluded, um, very safe course for little, you know, for kids, younger kids to do. And um, and you you can run. I think what is it? You run. Um, three one lap around the rose bowls three miles and then you can ride your bike a couple times around it and then you end with like three laps in a pool so it's very easy uh for someone that's really getting into the sport to get a feel for what it's like even though it's a reverse they still get the feel for it so we're really trying to push uh that uh getting kids to at least um accomplish that first and then from there uh we can get them to do other events we have one high school kid that has not only did that race but went on to do Malibu and now is training for a half Ironman and he's in high school. So I know we're making, you know, little changes and getting them into the sport, but it, we just need to cast a wider net. It just, you know, it's hard to find, you know, those that are motivated to get into the sport. Um, you know, we have to compete with the swim team, the water polo team, the track team at high school. So we have to, we have to, you know, um, you know, go, go against those other sports that, and, and triathlon's non-traditional. So, you know, getting them into the sport is tough. So it's easier coming from a swimming background because it's a, a lot easier because, uh, you know, as we all know, swimming is the biggest fear of the, you know, the sport of all the three legs. So, you know, it's easier to get the swimmers involved than it is any other type of athlete. So, yeah, we're doing, we're, listen, we're making little steps and hopefully they will become big steps sooner than later. So we're doing everything we can to do that. Um, and then just in general, 
we're trying to bring in a younger audience into the club. And that's where Katie can talk about the millennials and just getting younger, I would say out of high school, maybe college and, and just, you know, what is it? 25 to 30 years old, get, you know, that get that crowd interested in the sport and we're doing a good job. Well, Katie's doing a good job. I think too, just really quick on the youth program, because I know that this is potentially a struggle for other clubs. Um, And it's something we just, you know, what is it? A rising tide raises all ships. That's not it, but something. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, so. Just for, like from our struggles, maybe we can just put that out there if anyone's listening and it's helpful to them because of what Paul said, where we're competing with individual sports that people are already participating in, in their high schools or their middle schools. And then the schedules that are pretty rigid with that. Um, we're finding that it, it's possibly better to, reach them in the summer um, when they're not competing in their schools for those respective sports. And um, again, to Paul's point, potentially reaching out to swimming programs first. Um, So again, it's kind of the lowest hanging fruit, but that seems to work. And then Paul and I are going to try a new strategy this year is we're going to kind of go like door knocking. Um, We're going to go speak at some high schools um, just to let them know that the program exists because we can advertise it with, Instagram ads or word of mouth or emails. But if we go put ourselves in front of the kids, it might be beneficial. So to, to be continued on that. But you know, that's a smart strategy and it's a strategy that not many want to do or can do or have the time to do. And that's taking the time to actually go speak to the, to the target audience themselves to say, Hey, listen, these are the benefits. Here's what you can do. Here's what the benefits are of doing these three sports and how it will help you with your other sports. So I love that strategy that you guys are employing in terms of quote unquote, knocking on the door, but really reaching them where they are versus them trying to have to find you. And I love that. That's why you guys are the mind blown. Well, you know what we need to do is we need to, it's the old pay it forward, right? We need the one kid at the one school that's into it. And then they get their friend to do it. And it was interesting because the one guy that has, you know, come up, he's, he's here at a local high school and at Malibu, um, there was another girl from the same high school. And when I asked her, does he, do they know each other? And they do. And so now both of them are at the same high school. So now I got two people, a male, female at the same high school. And that they, I need to make them our spokesperson at their high school. They need to be the ambassadors of the youth program. So the more yeah. I can get them involved and being ambassadors, not only for the club, but the sport, I think it'll really help us do what we need to do, which is just grow the overall sport in general, you know, and other high schools too. So my son's in high school now he's on the water polo team and he's done a few triathlons, but he just, he hasn't gotten the bug yet. He hasn't gotten the triathlon bug yet. So I'm hoping that, you know, maybe he will soon. (laughs) So only time will tell this time. Just give him some time, give him some time. So cool. So I admire this approach. And yes, USA triathlon is really trying to amp up the high school program because again, without our youth, the program will eventually phase out if season, you know, once transitions start to phase. So we have to re-energize the base, essentially. All right. So that's a focus for you all. But LA Tri Club, let me go back to this, Paul. In order to recognize the benefit and need for more youth and getting Katie involved, that takes a lot of humility. I want to talk about that because Maybe we talked about this before and um, we were in Austin, but to say, hey, listen, I'm at this stage where I can't do it all. I need to relax my hand being in everything and bring someone else in. If other clubs, perhaps, or teams, perhaps, were to adopt that mentality, I believe it will grow as well. So what did you do and when did you make the decision to get someone like a Katie on your team to say, Hey, I need your help to pull in a different demographic. Sure. Um, well, you know, the old adage, you don't know what you don't know. Well, you know, I didn't know, right. There's a lot of stuff I don't know. And I know that when I don't know about something, then I go find the expert in that space. Right. And then I let them run with it. And so Katie and I were, we spent a couple, it's been a couple of years ago, but we spent, you know, over the weekend uh, going, driving back and forth to Malibu Triathlon early at, you know, 4 a.m. in the morning, you get to talking and, and, and she was there doing social media for them. And I was like, you know what, 
I've been struggling with our social media. Would you consider taking on LA Troy Club as a new customer, new client? And um, and that's where it started. And it, we started off small. Um, it was funny because I know, um, the, you know, the, it's just a new way of communicating with an audience that we weren't reaching. And I knew that social media was a was was kind of like the next you know, the next tier of marketing that I needed to conquer. And obviously I don't have the bandwidth to do it. I don't know, have the know-how. Um, I'm not an expert in that space. And so that's but where Paul, came in. To speak, to speak to Paul's accolades, yeah. the social media, social media they had when I started wasn't terrible in the sense that it got a lot of engagement, even though the content itself maybe didn't look how content looks now in 2023 you could tell that the community he built was very engaged. So even if he was putting up kind of like a subpart image or graphic, it was it was um, being reacted to well. So really the social media he's talking about it was like reaching new people. The people we had, very, very engaged. So just giving yeah, you some dude, advice. You're right, yeah, because what we had, because we uh, I basically gave a couple of people access to our Instagram and, and they would just post from time to time. But what we didn't have was someone actually engaging with on the other end. So Katie's been that engagement now. Now we're closing members left and right. I think Katie, last night you were, t t yeah, literally last night, I think she has two people showing up to our master swim program because one, they found us on Instagram and they had just finished like, uh, I don't know, uh, Newport Beach or somewhere, some triathlon. You know what and, happened is yeah. they were, they saw, this is the, this is the- This is how it works. Tell us how it's they signed up for a race so i can't take credit for that because i wasn't advertising the race they signed up for but some of our members were there wearing our kits and our kits say la tribe in a really bold way and then they went to social media and found us and just followed us they didn't actually reach out but i tend to check our instagram pretty often and i like to reach out to people who follow us just to ask about who they are like why they're following us in a friendly way um and that's when she told me the story her and her fiance did their first triathlon um, saw the the kits or whatever they're looking to join a community event do we have any i told him to come drop in on a master swim and so we booked him for this sunday and i'll meet them in person yeah that's how it works it, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty good you know yeah i mean the instagram and communicating i i mean if you ask me how to dm somebody on instagram i couldn't tell you where to go <laughs> i love it I appreciate that wherewithal to hire the expert and let them run with it. So kudos to you and Katie. Let's just transition into that, right? You aren't new to social media. You were one of the first influencers, triathlon influencers, and then you created a business out of it. So let's talk about that. Uh, we're going to transition into your start. Let's talk about your start in triathlon. The story. The story. <laughs> The elevator version. The story. Um, the There is um, behind the scenes, you know, we've all discussed potential topics. So there was a story that I shared, but something I actually didn't share that I, it just came to me. The real reason I started doing triathlon is I saw that iconic video of, it was Paula Newby Frazier, and I don't remember the other Julie female. Moss. Julie Moss. Was it Julie Moss? Um, like crawling to be to the champion at Kona. Um, I forgot what year it was too, but it was a, it was a while ago. Um, and I remember thinking maybe because I'm a masochist, like, oh, I've got to do that. And I think the thought behind it was not that I wanted to be in pain or bonking like they were, but it was so inspiring to see that even though their body was physically giving up to the point where they couldn't walk, even walk across the finish line, it was so cool to see them giving every last drop they had before they passed out <laughs> to potentially win. Um, so that that video I saw and thought, I want to try that. But the other quick story is um, I had a crush on a guy who was a very fast trail runner and he didn't know how to swim. So I thought, well, I'll do triathlon because not that I wanted to beat him to embarrass him i just wanted to kind of seem impressive um but it didn't work out between he and i that's okay 
because it's now blossomed into a sport that changed my life and getting to work with really cool people in endurance sports. First story is admirable, right? Like that gives us, but the second story, that's the juicy one. That's the one we really want to know. It's that trail runner who was a cutie. Hey cutie, how you doing? Oh, it's so good. All right, Paul, tell us about your starting to triathlon. Um, you know, and to piggyback on what Katie was saying, it's the people in the sport. And what really drew me into the sport was the positive attitude that most triathletes have, if not all. I, I like, I don't know a negative triathlete. I mean, literally, if you, if I had to think, if I had to break it down to the, like the, 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 what, what makes triathlon really stand out as a, as a character trait, if you will, is that, um, triathletes are always positive. I just, it's, if if you, I don't know, have you ever met a negative triathlete? I have, I I think maybe you mean, (laughs) no, I just think they always have a positive attitude, a can do attitude, you know, like, you know, they're over they're problem yeah. solvers is potentially, yeah. I think that's what you mean. Like they're, they're not scoffing at doing a 70.3 in terms of distance. They like want right. the challenge. Yeah. Right. I just think yeah. this is the attitude. Their attitude is just infectious. You know, it just, I love the sport. I love the people in the sport. And I think that's what drew me into the sport. And then my first triathlon, I remember doing it. It was a bet between me and my uh, co one of my old co-founders, Larry, he, and he goes, uh, let's, let's train for a triathlon. And this, I was working, we were working together back in the day and we were part of a small little team called triathlon triathlete zombies at the time. And I remember them um, saying, Hey, let's train. We trained at the pool together. We biked, we run. And I remember doing, it was the Carlsbad triathlon um, 25 plus years ago. And I remember doing it on my mountain bike in a speedo. That's all, that's all I had was the bike and a speedo and some shoes. And, you know, back then you, that's, you didn't wear anything else. Like, it was crazy. So, and I just remember having a good time and I remember doing it uh, and finishing going, wow, this is exciting. And I was hooked right after that. Um, and then the club came about it, after doing my first triathlon is because I was part of this little store. It was a store, local store here. It was a triathlon store and they sold triathlon gear and uh, they had a little club attached to it called Triathlete Zombies. And I paid my $35 and I joined the club. And the president at the time, they'd have little meetings, you know, 30, 40 of us at a time. And, and the president at the time that was kind of running the club um, wasn't really doing much. And I approached him one time and I said, listen, if, if you're not, you know, if you don't have time for it, um, I don't mind taking over. And he goes, you know, he let that soak in for a couple of months. And out of the random, I got a you know phone call from Michael. He said, hey, Paul, are you serious about taking over? I was like, yeah, I'll take it over. Well, when I did take it over the first year, we went from 80 members to 250, like right out of the gate. Like I was like gung-ho. And I was like, let's build this thing. This is great. And then eventually it got to a point where I, I knew if I wanted to really grow this organization, I have to detach myself from the store so I can use the funds that was it was generating to put back on the members that were joining the club. So that's what what I did. And we literally broke off one night, me and a few people, uh, our head coach, Ian Murray, and a few others. We literally set a round table. I think we all threw in 200 bucks and we opened up a bank account and we started LA Tri Club. Um, it was literally just like that. And the first year of starting LA Tri Club, we went from that 250 that I, I had already uh, um, increased to 800 members right out of the gate the second year, you know? So I knew we were like on this trajectory of just growth and that I was onto something. So, um, and my roommate at the time was a web developer. So he did, you know, he made the website and it just, we had the right people at the right Right. time to get it done. And we just, uh, did it Mm -hmm. now, you know, flashback 23 later, we're just, we're continually evolving. You know, we were a club you know, a community club, you know, 23 years ago, we're now a service provider. We're a coaching club where we provide coaching services. We have a master swim workout, a Friday morning swim. We have um, a women's program, a youth program. Um, we have a host of indoor coaches. Cycling. Yeah, we have indoor cycling now called Velocity. So we're looking at, a, you know, we're, we're transforming and transitioning into the next generation of what LA Tri Club is going to be, and we're you're, you're really right in the beginning of that phase right now. We're the, going into 2024. You're gonna we're gonna see a lot of uh, of just 
the switch over from just mainly services offerings back to the members that we already have and revamping our website to sell those services as well too. We're going to have to revamp our approach um, in, as we do this as well. So lots on the docket right now, like a lot of things to do. And, and the only way to do it is to have a good team. And I think that's what we have right now is a good team to get it done. Wow. That's a lot of change over a long period of time. I mean, 23 years, you've been through the good, the bad, the ugly, and the what the hell, like you've done it all. You've been through it all. Right. So now will you still offer a club component for people who just want to be a part of a, the, a club membership and just for the community and then have the additional services as add-ons? Cause I want to make sure I understand yep. like in, in how the organization will be structured. Yeah, back to your opening statement, passion, performance, right? We're built on passion and performance. Passion is a level of, of membership, right? It's what we, we it, it's, it's the member who's been a member since, you know, 2000, right? We have a lot of them still members today, right? Still paying their dues, still members um, in the club. And that's our passion membership. I would say it's about, you know, 90% of the base right now of our, our database is, 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 um, you know, passion and our performance is the services side that we're now starting to gain more, uh, you know, uh, you know, tra transitioning into is the services side, more coaching. Uh, we have a coaching, um, we have coaches that provide, um, uh, a performance program for a squad, for like a group, a team. And we also have individual one-on-one -on -one coaching all tiered at different prices. Mm. And then you can add on master swim or add on velocity indoor cycling, or, you know, you just, you know, you just keep adding on services and those are uh, monthly uh, services that we've been adding on lately. So we're, we, we have the passion is the community, right? That is, it's it's who we are and we're going to continue being that for a lot of people. We are still a community, like our first Thursday, the first Thursday of every month, we have a social and um, we had about 80 to 90 people show up to those things every month. Um, we give away a lot of free swag and people love that part of the club. They like to be social. Um, we're also so, really focused yeah. on building more of the community events as well. So yes. it's like, Paul and I kind of tackle different things. So my, one of my things that I'm responsible for is making sure that there's opportunities for not just members, but non-members as well. Um, so I was even on a phone call with a potential sponsor today, and I was just explaining all the events we have, the races that we send athletes to. And I'm a huge fan of pairing brands together, especially the ones in Los Angeles. They tend to have pop-ups or physical stores here. So we can actually design experiences for the members and non-members to have runs or rides from these stores. And then the sponsors tend to throw in some free shoes or free whatever, maybe they cater it too. Um, so it becomes a fun way to actually get some sort of training in and uh, I mean, free stuff. It depends on the free stuff, I guess, but it's typically quite nice. Um, so that is huge for us is air quotes post pandemic, whatever that means now, um, trying to kind of ramp up in-person experiences too. And, and I think Katie that you, 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 um, you kind of highlighted that when we were in Austin, when we were talking about that, right. Um, the millennials, that are joining the club are looking for an experience. Yeah, experiences. We're, we're, yeah, they, everything's experienced these days, right? You know, you have all these kind of, you know, these fun runs and these pop up where they paint you. You know, they what do they throw paint, dry paint on you? You know, these these crazy events these days. Everyone's looking for something different. You know, ex, you know, for an experience. And so, if we can continue uh, providing experiences for our passion members you know, the performance, they're getting it because we're, you know, we're, we're spoon feeding them, their training plans, their software, we're, we're giving them exactly what they're paying for because they're paying for it. But the passion, they're joining it for the fun side of it. So what can we do to keep them active and engaged in the club so that they tell their friends, Hey, you should, you know, check out LA Tri Club. I love the two prong approach, because I think that's what keeps the club so well-versed and diverse. It's hard, like LA, I feel like is the optimal place to provide experiences and not just 
one season, but year round. You guys really are in the perfect place to provide that experience. What would you say for someone, and I'm throwing you on the spot here, if they were in the Midwest-ish and on the East Coast, what kind of activities would you encourage them to do to provide that experience for uh, potential new members and club members that they can do that wouldn't be always outdoors? And they may not have an in-studio cycle studio. Yeah, I was thinking about that too, um, because we also would like to expand beyond Los Angeles. Not that Paul and I necessarily are going to go live outside of Los Angeles, but we believe that you can be part of LA Tri Club and not be in Los Angeles. So Midwest, I mean, there is a, it's a little tricky if you don't have a smart trainer, if you want to participate in indoor cycling workouts um, collaboratively. So I don't actually have a solution for that at the moment. The program we work with, Velocity, um, is really cool. And we do actually have people that dial in to the indoor cycling workout from, I think we've got someone in Colorado, Texas. Yep. I think one person from Texas. Um, it's a little limited based off of the time zone you're in as well. But if we were to get coaches that coach workouts that were on the East Coast, then it would work as well. Um, but I would say for, for those clubs that don't maybe have, you know, a Nike store, a Brooks Running store, a Gooder store, like all on the same street, um, maybe work with your local businesses as best you can. Because I think that you just get more bang for your buck, like literally monet monetarily, but also your time, if you can collaborate with people in your vicinity. So um, we, for example, like one of our sponsors was Toyota for a while, not necessarily a triathlon brand, but they have a huge community of people that have purchased cars before. And then they see us as having a community of potential car buyers. So you can link up with maybe some brands that you wouldn't at first think are triathlon and still try to organize something. Maybe there's a place that has a large space in your town and you can put something in there. Um, I mean, you can, little kids do like walkathons and runathons like in, in a gym or something. So you could come up with something fun that's maybe not long distance, but or like a scavenger um, hunt from a running shoe yes, store. Yes, scavenger hunt. Scavenger hunt from a running shoe. Yeah, you could, you know, because every, every, there's a, you know, there's a, uh, what is it, uh, Roadrunner's store somewhere, right? Or a, a running store. So that's a good way of starting, right? Yeah, indoor stuff that's just inside, if that's where you have to be. Um, I think just link up with other communities and resources that are around you. Um, and start from there and they might have ideas too. Maybe they tested out some fun event style. Um, they can help out with that. But I have more ideas. I just don't have them in this exact moment. But if anyone yeah. wants more ideas, I do have them. <laughs> yeah, on the spot, as I was trying to find out my power source, I was like, oh, yeah. Oh no! <laughs> yeah. One of the one yeah, of the I things that uh, one of the things that I noticed that really worked uh, that Katie uh, alerted me to is when we do a collab together with another brand uh, on social media, the the outreach is you know uh, tenfold, right? It goes out to a bigger, wider, and our engagements are always higher and wider when we do those. So I think that's another you know point that I think clubs across the U.S. should do is find out how they can partner with other brands and do collaborations together to help increase their social media or just the brand awareness in general. I think that's, it's really important to do that. Let's talk about collaborations because I think sometimes collaborations can be one-sided even though it should be two-sided. So how do you balance the collaborations when, you know, the objective is if we put our power together and utilize it, it can go further, but when it's only one-sided and the other person isn't pulling their fair share on social media, like adding the, what is that new feature um, that you can say in collaboration with? What is that new feature, Katie? Where you, you mean now, literally just collaborating? So it's sharing the post? Yes. And now you can do up yeah. to like four different people. Yeah. Or you can put four people in a post, but if you're not accepting that, 
that peace, it's like, it's really not beneficial and it doesn't have the maximum reach that it could. Have you ever run into an issue where you've collaborated with someone where it hasn't been the ideal situation? Not with LA Tri Club, luckily, because I'm kind but firm in who <laughs> we will do that with because I just have a lot of experience being able to vet if someone's a good fit or not. And well beyond me and social media, Instagram and Facebook have sort of mapped out niches and and who they define your account as. And it's all kind of based off of who's following this account and what are their behaviors. So if we, LA Tri Club, were to collaborate with someone that is so out of our niche with zero connections whatsoever, I'm trying to think like Dole Bananas, I don't know, you know, like they might have a million followers, um, but if there's not really like a tangible connection, um, it won't perform well. Because if we're advertising triathlon to a banana lover who's never ridden a bike and has zero desire to exercise and vice versa, actually, I eat a lot of bananas. So that would be a good, a good match for triathlon. But yeah, we all do. Actually, that's like the one yeah. thing you see at every race is a banana yeah bananas yeah. um but yeah but to just to go back to that point of like pulling weight i think advice i could give to clubs or, or even i see brands making this mistake a lot brands might have a budget um okay we've got ten thousand dollars fifty thousand dollars to spend on um paid ads or paid social media just make sure that the club or the other brand you're working with or the athlete, whatever, do a little research. Um, this is also something I don't think people realize, and maybe I'm about to get in trouble for like outing this. Um, sometimes people have disingenuous um, activity on their social media accounts, meaning like the comments they're receiving are from real people but they are not because they actually truly were inspired by the content and had to go like leave a comment. They're kind of like in cahoots. Uh, I'll just leave it at that. Um, they're, they're, yeah, you know, they're supporting their friend every single day on every single post continuously until the end of time. God bless the friends who do that because that's yeah. not a bad strategy, but it does make it disingenuous and it's really hard to get a sense of what their reach and engagement really yes. is. So I get it. Yeah. But you have some struggles and um, that you're, you want to address. I know one of your things is wanting to address some of the struggles that the sport has. So I want you to jump into that. Cause I'm, I know we're coming up. Okay. So yeah, I want you to, well, yeah, that, that makes sense. We're chatting in this. <laughs> so the elder millennial reached out to the younger millennial. <laughs> <laughs> we're chatting behind the scenes we're chatting anything. behind the scenes like, <laughs> of course hey, you guys are of course so I'm, well now that we can ask just go ahead and answer that question yeah, yeah yeah I can stay a little bit longer oh wait but we're um talking about sorry please freeze the question again I forgot actually what okay. we're talking about you have some passion points and passion uh areas of what you want to address in terms of why the sport is struggling and we know that we want to grow sport like that's at least that's my mission in terms of helping grow this beautiful sport that has changed my life and so many others to Paul's sentiment about changing lives but there's some things that we could do and I think you have a good pulse on some of those things that we can do and I wanted you to just be able to share share that yeah um I, I think if we're talking about the same thing, I have for many, many years um, been advocating for at least a group of people like I literally am a part of, which is women, um, getting women into sport, into triathlon. It still is quite the shift. I forgot the current statistics, but it's like two thirds men, one third women, roughly. Um, and the needle's shifting a little bit. Um, but also, um, Specifically in Los Angeles, we have such a diverse group of people we're fortunate to experience in LA Tri Club. To be honest, LA Tri Club is also still mostly white. However, I see specifically at our Friday morning ocean swims, a lot more people of color. Um, a lot more, I would say primarily more Latino people just by proxy of where we live, but a lot of black athletes as well. Um, 
And I'm always so excited to see that because I go to other places. I go to like the Pacific Northwest. I go to Sweden a lot to do sports over there. And it is a lot of white people. Um, so it's been a part of my um, goal to help in any way I can. Um, if that means I like take a step back and give someone else a platform to share, then that's what I do. But um, I had these big dreams that maybe next year or the year after we can do sort of like scholarships for um, people of color, um, whatever, or whatever that means. Maybe it's for women, maybe it's for a particular ethnicity, whatever. And we can fund those through the money that brands have. Um, like it doesn't have to just be on our members to fund these scholarships. Like why can't these larger corporations that have a lot more money than we do um, pay into this? Because um, the ultimate goal I hope from everybody is to have a lot more um, inclusive triathlon environments. So I don't have the answers, but that is like at the forefront of what we're also trying to do. Yeah. Inclusivity is one of those things. And in order to get there, there has to be some way to build. And I love the fact that you said scholarships this year, I got a really amazing opportunity to collaborate <laughs> with fund her try and fund her try. They're a nonprofit and they just, their mission is simple. They want to get more women to every start line. And this year they wanted to reach more women of color and they were able to reach more women of color as a proxy of just outreach and being able to be in partnership. I mean, I'm a woman of color, so it was helpful, but it just really allowed it to be a, an awesome opportunity to see the women of color that were just like, man, I was really grateful when I got that race reimbursement back because that was money back that I could do something else with. But it showed them like, hey, people really care. People really want to see me thrive in this event. And this one young lady, I just did her interview. Her name was Be Away. Um, in the New Jersey area, she wants a caravan to now go to the Philadelphia women's, the women's Philadelphia try in, in July next year. So that's like, Hey, we got one person and now she wants to bring in other people and not just that, but rent a van so that they could go together and try together. So that to me is impact. Yes. And I, that's amazing. Um, I just want to shout out someone. So hopefully it can help his business as well. We have a an athlete um, who is a coach with us. He helps with ocean swimming. Um, he was a, I want to say his, he worked, he was in the Navy, um, but I forgot the, ex, the exact name of what he does, but it's essentially where they drop you out of a helicopter to rescue people in the ocean. Um, so Jordan Hunter um, was that, I think he's still quite a young gentleman. I think he probably just turned 30 or 31 is my guess. Um, but he has, he's a, a swimming instructor so he teaches like high school age he teaches young kids and he teaches adults he is a black man um and i think his swimming program is called legacy aquatics if you want to look it up but he teaches so many black people of all ages swimming and he's his whole game is to like just break this stereotype that black people don't swim and to also provide services that make black people comfortable, aka taking a swimming lesson from a person that looks like you and feels your feelings and has your similar experiences or fears or whatever they are. So I just want to shout that out. Jordan works with us. He's amazing. Um, we helped him get his USAT level one certification this year, or technically I think he got it last year. Um, but that's like his other business that he does. And I just want more people to know about it. So there you absolutely, go. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's our job to, when we know better, we can do better. And because you know it, you can, uh, you can mention it. And I think that that's important. And if more people had your attitude, Katie, I'm telling you, psh, we would see a change in sport. Paul, you got anything you want to add to that? No, I just think we have a very diverse club. I mean, the, the you know, we have um, well, the, my old business partner, he was gay uh, when we started the club. And it was funny because it was like, it was like maybe two or three years later, he was like, he, we were on this random phone call and he goes, Paul, you know, I'm gay. And I was like, yeah, so, you know, like, like, 
itself, you know? And it well, was, I mean, it's it, Paul, that's it was like, like that. okay. <laughs> that's not like groundbreaking today, I think. But I'm also not gay, so I can't actually say that that was easy for that person to share that. No, <laughs> you know, but, but it, it probably wasn't. But it was like, you know, I, you know, we our contingent in our club is we, we're, we have trans, gay, you know, everything, LGBTQ, a iq a now it's like there's so many damn you know that we we cover it all we're inclusive very inclusive (laughs) no what what i'm getting at is we are you're getting canceled on this podcast (laughs) listen we're we we are very inclusive to everyone it's just amazing and i'm no i'm proud of it actually yeah Yeah. that we that we are an open club that we do attract everyone from every race and every color it's yeah i hope people feel welcome i mean like ultimately paul's ethos is it is for everyone and i hope people feel that way too not just what we want them to think that's absolutely and yeah we're joking about the cancel there's no such thing as cancel in my show or anything that i do because i feel like it's you can't cancel me if I don't know. And you can't cancel me if I get confused. So no, there's no such thing. So thank you for being an all-inclusive uh, team so that people can feel welcome. And I think honestly, that's just what people want. People want a sense of belonging. That is one of the, I don't know if it's man's low hierarchy of needs, but needing to have community and wanting community. to be um, a part of something greater than themselves and just be a part. And so, yes, there is room for lbtqia plus community Community. there is room for people who are black people who are white well you name it hispanic comblanation there's room for it all and the problem is we don't see it enough to be able to interact with people enough of different cultures so that we can have true understanding and i Mm -hmm. think if we did that's also another way that we can be more familiar with not only from a cultural standpoint, but also a socioeconomical standpoint, and it will make it more balanced. Yeah. You know, like for yeah. me or for yeah. us, having friends that are part of multiple communities and having diverse friend sets, that makes you a better person because you know more. You're able to interact with multiple people and not just have a linear list of friends. Well, Oh, I got my token. No, ain't token is over. <laughs> Sorry. You okay? Let's back to our regularly scheduled program. Of <laughs> All right. Uh, All no. right. So back to trying. <laughs> this show is for beginners, and yes, you just heard a rant because it's real. And I think with new beginners coming in, they don't see people that look like them. They're starting to see more people that look like them but it's not perhaps enough. How would you encourage someone who's in a place that may not be very diverse as a city um, to encourage them to try, even if they don't see anyone that looks like them? I mean, my initial reaction, um, it's so funny. I was just talking to my sister about this in a different way. Um, I am a single person that lives alone. And my family uh, lives pretty far away from me, like a seven hour drive. So if I want to do something, but I don't have any friends or people around me that can do it, like I want to go out for drinks. Oh, everyone's busy tonight. Or I want to go for a trail run. Oh, nobody can make it. I just do it. But at some point it's, it's a lonely experience. So what I personally would do is I would try to encourage people that I want to be around. Um, if that's someone that looks like you or someone that you spend a lot of time with already, get them to do it with you. Um, they don't, they also don't have to be triathletes, um, in this scenario. Like we just had four firefighters call us or actually just one called us and said he wanted, he's doing Ironman. I think it's doing La Quinta or Indian Wells that's in December. And he goes, you know, I really need to swim better. Um, he and his four firefighter friends came and took a swim lesson together. Um, and they all were like different levels. They all kind of had, I think, a different um, experience and different passion, but they did it together. And I think they had a fantastic time because of that. So just get, if there's not a community already there that you want to be a part of, try and get your friends to like be that community with you. 
that's good. Yeah. That's good. You know, okay. It's hard. I know it's hard. hard. I think about my friends who have a diverse group set of friends. So I know the friends I can't ask and the friends I can't ask. And the friends I can't ask, they're like, don't come over here with that. (gasps) Bleep, 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 bleep. You know, because that's just not what they're into. So what I'm trying to do is I'm participating right now in everything that people have asked me to do during my season that I couldn't do. Whether it's I'm taking up skating, I went boxing. So because I want when I come to ask you to be a part of a relay, I'm not asking you to do the whole thing. I just want you to do the relay. Yeah. My answer that I want to hear is yes. Mm-hmm. So you have to find creative ways, I think, to get people, because you know your friends, find creative ways to get your friends involved. Paul, I know you were going to say something. No, no, I just, we were doing some exercises just about uh, some marketing stuff. And I had someone over here yesterday and we were just, uh, and um, she actually showed up to our first Thursday to get a feel for what was going on. And she had some really good conversations with a lot of different people. So we were throwing out things like, you know, what, what, what what was really the, uh, you know, the connection between everybody here and what she really came out was community. And it, and we always, I keep going back to community, right? It's been there since day mm-hmm. one, right? I wanted to create this community. Um, and so I, I had someone just email me the other day. She goes, hi, is your Friday morning swims going on? I'm, I'm a pretty decent swimmer. I'm, 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 I'm a female from Australia. She's, I think she's a millennial cause I, you know, her age and, and she's done Alcatraz. And so she just wants to give out a go. Well, you know, if you really want to get dialed in and meet a lot of like-minded people, the very first thing you can do is just join the club. Five seconds later, I got an automated response. She joined the club and she emailed me back, Paul, I joined the club. I'm in. I want to start getting dialed in. I want to meet other people that are like-minded. And sure enough, so it's just, it's like when you move into LA and you're a triathlete and you want to get dialed into the community, um, you just, you got to join your local club. And so, why the reason I'm bringing this back up, bringing it up is for these other clubs out there, you know, that are smaller, that are smaller. Yeah. Yeah. That's what they, you want to look up. If you're traveling and you want to look up, look up your local club and join that club. Like don't, don't wait. Don't, don't do traveling by yourself. Find the club, find, find those, find your tribe, right? Find that group of people that are doing what you're doing. And you're going to instantly you know, you're going to go from not knowing one person in Los Angeles to knowing over 500 in a matter of like a few weeks, just show up to a few socials and a few workouts and you're going to have the best friends for the rest of your life. Literally. Maybe though, if there's not, I'm trying to keep it like to back to your point of like, we are spoiled in Los Angeles in the sense that we just have a lot of resources and people, but if you're in a very small area that might not even have a triathlon club, I know that does happen. Um, like, Okay, I don't know if this is true, but my really good friend lives in Bend, Oregon, which is kind of a triathlon mecca. They don't even mm-hmm. have a triathlon club there. No way. There's not a, I, I could be saying this wrong, but I, I'm pretty sure I just was up there um, earlier in the year swimming with her. They don't have like an LA tri club for Bend. They've got, you know, Paula Finley lives up there, like all these pros. They don't have like for the locals. Mm-hmm. Um, they're big on mountain bike and gravel. So they have a lot of, communities around that so to that point if you don't have a triathlon club maybe join a different type of club that at least has one or two of the sports in it and then you'll kind of have to create your own triathlon club at some point but you can start there there's um i follow a couple of people and uh mckenna i met mckenna on our local race circuit here in um the DMV area. She lives in Pennsylvania, but comes down and races with Kinetic. And I follow her on social media and they just started a triathlon team or club two weeks ago with about maybe 10 people. You don't have to have a thousand or 500. You can start with 10 and actually you can start with three or two, (laughs) you know, so it, it's not that hard but it is, um, it will be challenging, especially when you want to see things instantly successful. Be patient with the process, just like the process of trying. I don't know if you ever arrived to the, what is it, the Mecca of triathlon. There's always something that you can improve on. So approach it with that mindset of always being able to improve and grow as you're growing your community. Wow. Okay. Last question before we get into rapid fire. And I want to just end on a funny 
beginner story that you had during your first try that uh, you would like to share with this audience? Because I mean, it is try beginner's luck. So I got to think about that first timer. So tell us about your first try experience. And then we're going to rapid fire. Katie first. I don't think I had a funny, my first try experience was great. I definitely did not win. But are you talking about mine or Paul's? Your first experience, it doesn't have to be a funny story, but it just has oh, to be a, oh. a story. Tell us your first time story. Oh, like, okay, okay, The okay. very first time that you raced from, you know, the swim, the bike, you know, like, did you mess up on something or you might not have. You said it was great because you're a baller. Like, yeah. you know, come on. We're um, Paul, you go first because there is well, a man. I'll, I'll just share one of my, I, I don't know if it was, I, I don't think it's funny, but what I, what I will share is one of my memorable swims. Okay. which was the escape from Alcas, uh, uh, Alcatraz uh, triathlon. Um, I did it with a blind individual. She was, I think, 19 at the age. Her name's Lindsay. And uh, we were tethered together. And I just remember jumping off tethered to her on the boat right outside of Alcatraz. And we swam across the bay there. And it was, we had a beautiful swim. We came out of the water um, very easy because you have to, in, in Alcatraz, you have to, I, you have to look this way, but you, you're swimming this way because of the current. And we planned it just perfect. We were out of the water, I think 23 minutes. It was one of the fastest swims I've ever done because we paid attention and we did it right. We swam towards that real famous tower in San Francisco and we ended up being right at the right spot. And then I remember um, jumping on uh, the bike and we had a great ride on the tandem. She's on back and, you know, we're guiding her. And I just remember on the run running down, you know, the, 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 what is that? The, what do they call that area where you run down that path on the, by the beach there, you know, the, the Embarcadero. Land, that's it. What is it called? The, the, the Embarcadero. We're running along and we're, there's a parking lot and there's a curb and there's about a, I don't know, I'm running on the lower part and she's on the upper part. And if, when you're guiding a blind individual, the only thing that they can understand is your voice and you're their eyes. And I just remember, I didn't, I didn't tell her that we were running up and down and she was running on top and she actually lost her balance. She hit the thing. She tumbled. I tumbled. She got a new, and I just remember going, oh my gosh, I have one responsibility. I got to get to the finish line with her because we did this and she just shook it off. And um, I remember we finished it and she, we finished it strong. So I was thinking guide error, guide error, this guy, you know, like I, I felt so bad because, you know, you have to, you know, when you're guiding someone, you have to be communicating all the time. Watch this, stand here, step here, do this, do that. And so anyway, it wasn't a, a it wasn't funny, but it was a, a challenging um, something that we overcome during a race, which I, you know, I'm just glad we finished and we made it a positive experience for her. Love it. Yeah. Thank you. That's, that's good. Cause that could have been an epic fail. It could have, it could have been, I could, we could, the race could have been done. And I'm it just glad that we just, it was a skin knee and she was okay with it. And, and we moved on, you know, so cool. lesson learned. I want to share my story, but there is a leaf blower that is going hard. Oh, maybe it stopped. Yeah, there it is. Do you think the sound's okay if I keep talking? Keep going. Just keep talking. Okay? At my, end. Yeah. my cat has been having withdrawals during this whole call. There's a lot going on. Um, okay, quickly. Uh, my first try was in Napa. It's called, um, the company that owns it now is called Alpha Wind, but they used to be called HITS, um, which I forgot what that stands for. Um, but it was an Olympic. I remember I, was, I told my friend that was helping train me, I was like, I think I'm just going to do a half to start. And he laughed so hard in my face. And he goes, maybe you should try an Olympic first. And I said, okay, whatever. Um, so I honestly didn't have a training plan. I didn't have a coach. I didn't come from like an endurance sports background. Um, actually, of all things, I was a horseback rider when I was growing up, which is a, it's slightly physical, but really the horse jumps over stuff, not you. Um, so it was eye-opening for me on, on all three sports. I probably was the best at running, but I was not used to running on really tired legs because I did not train properly for it. So I didn't do any brick workouts or anything to prepare. Um, but, but overall it was, it was great. I think they still have that race just to shout out like a local California race. Um, it's Napa. I think they just had it. Um, 
and it was it was nice it was um it's funny if i did an olympic right now i'd be totally fine like i could probably go train after the race right now but at that time i was done like i had to take a nap for like four hours i was like full body pains and shakes and i thought like how how can i ever do this again so it's really funny to see like if you just keep at it and you just very gently like train your body up um it adapts so i don't i hopefully won't ever feel like that again but i love the fact that you thought you could do a full uh well do a half as your first because there are people who do it's funny i just I did a an, an episode, I think, with grit. So a few weeks earlier, and um, I said the same thing because on the social webs they were talking about how people came out to the race and thought that they could just start with a seventy point three without doing the work, and they pretty much learned quickly that that's not that's not where you should start, and you really do have to train to a certain degree. Um, unless you've been doing it for a while and you have muscle memory, but if you haven't been doing it for a while, you can't just go out there with the expectation like, oh yeah, I'm about to go and crush it. No, no, you got to train. So I love that. I love that. Your friend talked to you and was reasonable and said, why don't you try with the Olympic Olympic first? Well, I am so grateful to have you guys. We're going to do rapid fire because that's what we do here at the end of the show. So rapid fire really quick. The order will be, um, Paul, you'll go first, then Katie. And that way it's easy for us to, you know, have an order. All right. Okay. Since we have a seasoned and a young millennial, this is going to be interesting. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Where do I start? Gee whiz. I have so many questions that I've built up over the years. Give me a fun one. Let's talk about music. Mm. Mm. Favorite artist and favorite song and it doesn't have to be the same artist for the song well favorite artist rapid fire okay paul mccartney favorite song give him some more time he sees it i know i know no i just um, um, i know they're they're all the beatles songs i just i'm just gonna go with you know the the old school beatles all right okay here's mine if you can hear me over the leaf blower it's the same song and in person it's actually Joni Mitchell surprise and it's a case of you by Joni Mitchell okay okay love it um morning workouts or evening workouts evening morning all right swim in wetsuit or without wetsuit 100% what's the water temp <laughs> <laughs> on the water temp if it's cold enough yes i i'm without for the the feel like it feels better without but if it's like 47 degrees i'm gonna go wetsuit okay triathlon bike or road bike with aero bars well i'm gonna have to say road bike with aero bars because i've never owned a tri bike so i i'm defaulted to that okay um if it's this really hilly course i'm going road bike with aero bars okay clipless pedals or flat for the bike Oh, clipless. Oh, yeah, clip yeah, clip in, right? Clip ins? Is that what you're saying? You clip in? Clip in, yes, clip in. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, need yeah, to know yeah, my yeah. own question. Yeah, yeah, like, I'm yeah. gonna clip in too. Transition one or transition two, which is more challenging for you? That kind of rhyme. Transition one. Oh, difficult. Which one's difficult? Yeah, which one is more challenging uh, for you? Um, I think uh, two for me. Uh one's easy. I think one's harder, especially because the, they put wetsuit strippers out sometimes who don't know what they're doing. And it like adds two minutes to your transition. Well, let me just explain that. What the, here's no, the but problem. This is rapid fire. Okay. Well, that's I know, good, but, no, let's pause for the cause. This is okay. Hold on, hold on. Let me just explain. But when you come out of the water, what you need to do is you're, you know, you're, you're in the ocean. You, 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 you're swimming in As soon as your feet can hit the sand, you're grabbing your back. You're pulling it down as you're taking the next couple of steps. You're pulling the sleeves off when you're about your knee, your knee deep left in the water. You do a high kick one, two, just a quick high, a high step, you know, like boom, boom. And guess what? The wetsuit slides off. Like it was just like butter. If you leave it on and you run all the way to the transition, guess what? You just sucked out all the water from the wetsuit and now it's it's stuck on you. And now you're going to fight getting it out. So my advice is take the wetsuit out off in the water before you get out of the water. Katie, I think we should just bow out. 
Let's listen to that. I'm just telling you, if you've never oh, done he lost it, me at I'm just, kick. I'm just he saying. lost me at high kick too, but I'm gonna try it. <laughs> high kick he, it, he might high kick your right. wetsuit. High kick it, the water's still in the wetsuit, it just falls off. I'm okay. just saying. I'm just there saying. might be something to the high kick, Katie. I think we should both try it and report back. Okay. Um, transition setup. Are you a minimalist Goldilocks or bring everything kitchen hoarder? Simple, simple, just the basics. I bring everything. I'm one of those. Oh my God. There's so many accounts that are like, Oh, the people that bring buckets to triathlon. First of all, worry about yourself. Second of all, I have a bucket. (laughs) Hey, come with your bucket. Hey, and you know what? I step in her bucket on my way to my uh, transition. (laughs) Love it. One piece of advice that you would give to a beginner. Um, when the, when you, uh, before you get in the water, before the gun goes off, um, don't run to the, don't run when the gun goes off to the swim start. Don't run, walk. Don't, don't run because when the gun goes off, your heart rate is already, um, elevated. You're going to run. Your heart rate's going to go extremely elevated. You're going to get in and start swimming and then you hyperventilate. Mm -hmm. So to avoid that, Walk when the gun goes off into the ocean, into the lake, into the river. Okay. Um, my advice is know the course ahead of time to the best of your abilities, specifically the bike portion. Um, if you're if the luxury of going ahead of time to the race, I would go ride part of the course on your bike. And um, if you can't do that, then at least pull up like a map, um, whether it's a Google map or like on Strava, even better. And just know like as best you can the turns, um, if there's really steep elevation, um, just be mentally prepared for that ahead of time, just for safety. Um, I think that's huge. It's really surprising when you're descending a hill and there's like a hairpin turn at the bottom and you didn't know it was coming but if at least you knew on a piece of paper that it was there you will have some preparation that's good that's good stuff both of them and the final question that we don't let anyone leave without asking do you pee on the bike or get off and take a proper pee break and if you haven't peed on the bike yet do you pee in your wetsuit when i was young i would pee on the bike now that i'm an old you know fart I get off the bike. <laughs> um, I definitely pee in my wetsuit. So I typically don't need to pee on the bike at the beginning. I mean, if I'm doing a full distance, there's probably going to be peeing on the bike as well. Oh. Yeah, a well, lot of peeing. <laughs> a lot of peeing. Well, thank you all so much. This has been such an enlightening conversation. And I feel like we have to come back for part two um, and get some of those people you mentioned on like... Um, Jordan onto the show to talk to him about what he's doing to get more people of color to swim, uh, being a person of color, um, a black man, excuse me, let me just be specific, a black man, um, teaching other black people how to swim. I think that's incredible. And just thank you for all that you're doing for, um, the sport, you know, with, from the youth to the younger millennials, (laughs) the elder millennials, and seasoned and everything in between and just making it such an diverse, inclusive environment, which we need so much more of. And I just thank you guys for leading the way. Whenever you try beginner's luck, you always win. This has been good to my soul and I hope it's been good to the listening and viewing ears and eyes. But for right now, we are out. Peace. Thank you for tuning in and listening to this episode. We need your help so we can continue to try at TBL. So for more information on where you can find and subscribe to this podcast, visit www.trybeginnersluck.com. And don't forget, whenever you try beginner's luck, you always win.